Welcome to the Beltway Broadcast, the premier podcast for the workplace learning and talent development professionals of the Association for Talent Development's Metro DC chapter. We've got some great resources in store for you today. Hello, fellow ATDers. I'm Stephanie Hubka, a chapter past president and a member of the pod squad here at the Metro DC chapter of ATD. Hi, everyone. I'm Christina Eanes, the Vice President of Marketing and Communications. And I'm Leticia Niago, the 2022 President-Elect. We also have Helena Hodges, our Vice President of Finance and Operations, as our producer. For this episode, we are interviewing the Senior Content Manager for the Career Development, Organization Development, and Talent Management Communities at ATD, a career coach, the host of the Accidental Trainer podcast, and editor of the ATD Pressbook Teachers to Trainers, Lisa Spinelli. Welcome, Lisa. Hello. Thanks for having me here. We are so excited you're here, and we're really excited about this topic. Before we get into it, I always jump the gun on this. Before we get into the topic, (laughs) we would love it if you would take a couple of moments and tell us about you. Yeah, sure. So I have a bit of a crazy history. I grew up in Rome, Italy, as an Italian-American, barely speaking Italian, Um, (laughs) and then was whisked away to America, um, started a journalism um, interloop music magazine here in the D.C. area with a couple friends of mine and realized, oh, I, I really enjoy journalism. So went to New York, did journalism, did um, moved into content marketing. And then I was like, you know what? I kind of think that I don't want to work behind a desk all the time doing this. I'm a little extroverted (laughs) and want to be around people. So I started looking into coaching, found ATD and just happened to align my skills to the path that I wanted to go into. So got to ATD doing content, but then moved into career coaching and kind of doing both of them now. So that's my story. Your story is so much more fascinating and broader than I expected. I mean, working at ATD is cool enough, but I mean, your background is fantastic. This is great. I'm so glad you're here. Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's kind of interesting that we're having this conversation today because very recently, a friend of mine who has been teaching, classroom teacher for the last 20 years, decided that she's looking to make the leap from her current role into something else. So she called me up and asked, you know, what is it like working in the other kind of training? Which, you know, kind of made me laugh. Yeah. But it got me thinking, she's definitely not alone in this. There are a lot of people who are starting to look to make the leap from K through 12 to talent development. And I'm curious, I know that you've certainly done quite a bit of homework on this. What are some of the reasons that we're seeing so many teachers looking to make that jump? Yeah, well, when we were looking at the market, because of course, we published this book um, at the very beginning of the pandemic. So this, we had already been thinking about this for a few years. And we were already seeing that some of the reasons why teachers were leaving were, you know, very kind of atypical, like there's no growth in this market. Um, We're not getting paid enough, you know, those types of concerns that you see in a lot of other industries. Uh, And then of course, once the pandemic hit, I mean, it just became exponential. The amount of work that teachers are doing, the stress on, 
their home life, but also their health and just so many concerns about what is tomorrow going to be like and not having any clue um, on the mm-hmm. certainty of what their classrooms were going to be like uh, or the structure or the technology or any of it. So, of course, now we're hearing the the last survey that the National Education Association did. It said that up to 55% of the teachers are now considering leaving the profession. Um, so, during the pandemic, we didn't necessarily see this exodus like we thought we were going to, but now it's really starting to happen. And yeah, I mean, teachers are fed up. They they don't want to be in this environment any longer of uncertainty and then tack on all the the concerns that they had even before the pandemic hit of no growth, uh, not being taken very seriously by leadership and, you know, the restrictions that being in a teaching position has on top of having to be tested as well, you know, or sorry, teaching to the test Mm, as well and uh, not being given that creativity and freedom that maybe they thought they would have when they were just starting out in the field. So, um, so yeah, there's a myriad of reasons, but uh, many of which you can, you could project yourself onto why teachers would be leaving now after this pandemic. I completely understand that. And in fact, as you were sharing some of those insights, it reminded me of something very, very early on in the pandemic. Remember, there was a couple of days where we thought, well, this might be a two week thing. We might all be working from <laughs> home for two weeks. And I mean, in retrospect, wow, yes, that was, that was a little short sighted, but. I recall that the district where I happened to live decided that they were going to give teachers two days off at the start of the week. So it would be two in-service days for the teachers and a day off for the students so that teachers could learn how to teach online. And I remember texting a friend of mine who also works in talent development and saying they're getting two days to learn how to do this. (laughs) I mean, some of us have made careers out of this. It takes a little more than two days. And you know, it kind of got me thinking a little bit. I mean, realizing that there are certainly skills that are going to transition very well and perhaps some that don't necessarily. Is it an easy transition for teachers to go from K through 12 or classroom teaching in that way into the talent development field? What are you seeing as far as what some of those transition points look like and what really sets them up for success? Right. Well, I think there are a few things that um, that touch on that point. So, you know, talent development as a field is enormous, right? So you could be an instructor and um, a facilitator, an instructional designer, or you could be a career coach, leadership development uh, professional. You, You could do project management. I mean, there's a whole myriad of things that they could be doing and could be using some of the skills that they had in the classroom. Um, But then there's this whole other side of adult learning that they have to learn those foundations, right? So Mm, there's, yeah, yeah, there's a whole different methodology that goes along with that. Um, There are tools and techniques that go along with that as well. But but being able to uh, switch that mindset from children to adult learning is probably the the biggest hurdle. And then um, 
but the transferable skills, certainly we see a lot of the leadership skills, the coaching skills, curriculum design, um, presentation and project management. So, and of course, public speaking, all of that mm, and yeah. conflict resolution, right? How many times a day does a teacher have to <laughs> deal with conflict resolution? Um, so, so yeah, I think there's a ton of transferable skills that teachers do have to go into the, into all of these different realms in the profession. Um, but some of the the biggest hurdles go along with the, that foundational methodologies that are out there and, and the measurement and evaluation that then needs to happen for many of these roles with the Kirkpatrick model and, you know, ROI of Phillips and, and those sorts of things that they may oh, not course. have had to deal with before. Yep. Now that's a lot of stuff to think about. Yeah. <laughs> Making that transition. Yeah. So what are some of the key tips or tools? So the key ones, the main ones that teachers should be aware of as they prepare for that career transition into training? I think one of the biggest thing is knowing those transferable skills and being able to translate those on your resume. So, oh yeah. Yeah, that's really tough to do when you don't know the lexicon, when you have never used these words before and you you know, you don't know what you don't know and so hooking up with chapters like yours, getting to know um some people who have made the transition even if they not necessarily made the transition from teaching, although that, of course, is very helpful. Um, just being able to connect with mentors and people in the field is going to help exponentially. I can see that. So for learning the language, because I, I, when I switched over uh, careers, it was, I didn't realize I was doing the same things. Mm -hmm. You were just calling them different things. So maybe like connecting with a specialized resume writer for the field or mentors. I love those suggestions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there has been really an explosion from what I've seen in far, as far as uh, podcast workshops that are out there. There's a whole bunch of them uh, on LinkedIn too. Like Daphne Gomez is one that's really big and she does a, a teacher career coach site. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, I could rattle off like a bunch of them, but we also have a LinkedIn group that's called Teaching to Training that has a bunch oh, wow. of resources, which, you know, it's free and they can connect to other teachers that are going through the same thing. Yeah. Now you had mentioned some of the, the key things that are different, like adult learning. Yes. Short of getting a whole nother degree. Um, and of course, we want to read your book, right, too. But what are some things that people can do to quickly educate themselves on the differences between the field and bringing themselves up to date? Yeah. Um, well, there there are a lot of free resources online, as you know. Nowadays, you can yeah <laughs> or or cheap. You know, the Udemy has a lot of um, workshops and things that you can take that are low cost. LinkedIn Learning, of course, as well. And then a lot of these tools that instructional designers use, you can sign up for thirty day trial periods. Um, I'm probably not going to profess. I know there are certain ways that people use to cheat the system. I won't go into that because I don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> but there are ways out there where they can kind of extend that uh, 30 days. So there's a number of 
podcasts, like I said, an explosion of podcasts have occurred recently. If anyone's looking for teaching to training kind of podcasts, um, I there's the overnight trainer, there's um, teacher transition. Um, there's a newsletter also on LinkedIn from one of the sources of the book uh, called Out of Class. And yeah, there's, of course, a lot of other e-learning SMEs that are out there like Tim Slade, who was on your podcast recently. Um, That's right. And Kara North and Brian Washburn, they all kind of touch on this because they are also seeing a lot of people reach out to them from the teaching profession right now, asking for help, asking for the lifeline. (laughs) (laughs) One more, because I I know, so it's interesting. I went into adult learning. My father was in... um, Gosh, he started out fifth grade up to high school to principal, but it was definitely a different style in the classroom of interacting with the students, not just the learning part, right? But Mm -hmm. there's, you know, like with kids, you can be a little different. You can be a little more at times authoritative or whatever you need to do to get them to behave with adults. Right. right. It's a little different because we have to be very careful. And any suggestions for preparing oneself to transition that way? Right. Well, I think that kind of goes down to the foundational level, right? So just drawing from experiences within uh, an adult person has a lot more experiences within their life. Not to say that children, you don't use that as well. But um, yeah, yeah, you know, there's a lot more of a symbiotic relationship when you're in the classroom with adults on having them partake and help in the in the learning. And then, of course, the experiential learning, which also not to say that you don't do this with kids, but it's at a heightened level with adults having them perform the tasks and maybe even repeatedly so that it really sinks in. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I was kind of talking too about uh, like behaviors, like when you have adults who are on their phone or, you know, they get up and they're having a conversation. Oh, you can't slap them with a ruler? Is that what you're trying to say? I know. I don't know. I think you can. (laughs) So what do we do? (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, that is, I, I think it's really hilarious because the kids who are unruly in the classroom when they're little, those are the same people that are unruly yes. when they're crying. And you can't send them to the principal's office. <laughs> so true. <laughs> yeah. I mean, your guess is as good as mine as to what to do with those guys. <laughs> but I know I was always the chatterbox in the classroom and I was moved away from everyone. And yet yeah. whoever was next to me wound up being my best friend by the end of the day because <laughs> I was talking their ear off. So I think if you can tap into everybody's, you know, dark side or whatever it is that's disrupting the classroom to uh, utilize it in a productive way for everyone, then turn it an obstacle into an asset that always works out. But if you can't, I don't know, boot them to the principal, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so the skill, the skill translates somewhat on that one. Just we have to bring more awareness to that one, right? I guess. <laughs> I'd love to go back to something you were talking about earlier, as far as building a network is concerned, because I know that there are a lot of people reaching out online through LinkedIn, looking to make some of those connections And one of the things I've certainly noticed is at uh, local chapters, Mm -hmm. for example, those being great entry points, especially if a teacher is looking to make that transition and is wondering what it's like if you're really on the ground. In fact, one of the reasons that I often recommend that people join chapters, aside from the fact I've had a great experience with mine, Mm -hmm. is that 
when you think about how you know, all the different things that ATD offers. ATD offers phenomenal educational resources and research and articles and things like that. And when you're wondering what implementation looks like and practice looks like, and what do I do when I'm really on the job? That's where a lot of those great chapter perspectives comes in. Mm -hmm. So, you know, kind of the thought of looking locally to build those networks and really start to develop some of those relationships. Yeah, certainly. I think that, um, you know, Everybody has no time nowadays, right? But the more, sure. yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, any time that you can dedicate to growing your network, whether, well, especially if you're trying to break into a field like talent development, getting connected to those people in person is the best way. But if you can't go in person because of certain pandemic situations, then I would say definitely reaching out on LinkedIn or finding some other groups that do virtual meetups um, is is always going to help you in expanding your contact list. And you just never know who knows who. So I love this one story from my friend Adam that's up in New Jersey. And his he has like a whole networking uh, workshop and certification that he um, that he has developed called NetworkWise. And one of his stories that I love to hear is about this butcher that he knows. And you wouldn't think, you know, this butcher, like, what is this guy going to do to help someone's <laughs> career on Wall Street? But he knew everybody. So he was connecting and making deals that turned into mergers and acquisitions and all kinds of crazy uh, happenings on Wall Street because the, the butcher down the road knew everybody who was coming in and hearing all their stories. So they're, you know, these super connectors out there. You find these people who are just connected to and able to be connected to a lot of different people, tap into them as much as you can. Um, But of course, I also like to say, you know, you don't want to be like a salesman about yourself either. Sure. Yeah. So sure. You, you want to network just for the sake of networking and being of use and service to others first and foremost. And then, and then of course, you know, when you need to, to tap into that network, it's not, like, oh, here comes Lisa again asking for something else. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, <laughs> you know? So, so yeah, I love this whole idea. And I forgot the guy's name right now, but he does this five minute favor every morning. And I think wow. that's really cool. Like five minutes, do, do a deed just for the sake of connecting people or helping somebody out. And it's good karma, but it's also creating like a halo effects around you, right? That, Eventually, you know, people are going to help you out, even if you don't necessarily reach out. Oh, what a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and I love, I love the, I mean, that's just great career advice for anyone, right? Build those relationships, be in service of others and everything else will fall into place. Yes. And it certainly can't hurt when you're, especially when you're in a transition to have people like that on or people around you. And then having those super connectors too is, is really key. Um, But also of course, having the people in the field who you respect and those whose authority maybe you actually trust too. I'd imagine that knowing some super connectors or at least beginning the networking process can help to get interviews, for example. So I know one of the questions that my friend had asked is, is there anything that I should be thinking about as I'm preparing for interviews? And that did get me thinking, 
what it, it well, let me ask it this way. Is there anything that someone might need to do to prepare in order to get that interview or to succeed on that interview, knowing that they may be up against people who've been working in the field more in a more traditional sense for a little bit longer? I'm curious if your research or conversations have provided any insight on what you might be able to do in order to really position yourself. Oh, yeah, certainly. So knowing, again, that translation piece and those transferable skills so that when somebody's asking you about curriculum design, that you're able to express how many years you've actually been doing that and being sure. able to sell yourself, even even if it doesn't say flat out, you know, curriculum design on your resume, uh, that you're going to be able to translate that for them and and be able to sell and market yourself is is key for any interview for anybody doing any interview half of it is really coming across as a confident not overly aggressive uh salesman for yourself yeah i think that that makes a lot of sense and i think what you shared about making sure that you've got you know almost the lingo down and certainly being able to help to bridge the gap that may not really be there you may have the skills the knowledge you are ready to go but helping that hiring manager to recognize that there isn't a gap, knowing what that bridge looks like, knowing how you can explain, yes, my experience here has prepared me fully for whatever might be listed in that job description. That's right. Yep. A hundred percent. Yeah. And it's really fun to see now that the book... So when it, it first came out, you know, it was a couple years ago. And yeah. so we did a little bit of the, the podcast and the speaking circuit. We did... Um, uh, an Austin ATD chapter conference. And I met this one woman, Kate, who was taking a break after she just quit teaching and was trying to figure out how she could get into the talent development field. And she just announced that she got this job as an HR manager. And so it's so cool to kind of see now a couple years later, after meeting these teachers who were over it during the pandemic and are now yeah. starting to get their their footing and everything set. It's so it's it's a lot of fun to see that happening. And for them, I know it's been it's been a little bit of a struggle a lot of the times figuring out that first step. Like, do I take this online e-learning academy course and pay yep. for it out of pocket? Or do I try to do it myself? Or do I just try to network the heck out of myself and build my LinkedIn profile? So I think it it all depends on the person and and their strong, their strongest assets that they have, if they already have done a bunch of this e-learning and they have a portfolio out there to show, and they're going after that, um, you know, e-learning professional role, then then it might not be that they need to build that up as much. Uh, they might just need to build up their LinkedIn profile and their ability to sell themselves and network. But I think it's it's just so fun to see all of them coming into their own now a couple years later after the book. So it's been fun. Yeah, it's. It's really fun to hear about it, too. It's nice to know that there are a lot of different paths to success Mm -hmm. and that success can really be based on what you're looking for and what's going to feel like a natural approach to that career transition for you. There's not one size fits all. It might be the networking. It might be the official coursework. There are a lot of different ways that you can get to where you want to be. Exactly. Well, I love that you saw a need and filled it. Another great resource for folks uh, is your book. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yay. (laughs) Yay. So Lisa, at the end of every episode, we like to ask our guests rapid fire style questions. Mm -hmm. Each question requires less than 60 seconds to respond. Okay. 
Are you excited? Are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Give us one book that everyone must read and why. Um, well, I still have on my bookshelf, The Tipping Point by Malcolm Gladwell, even though mm. it's pretty old at this point. He's had a lot of other books come through, but um, I think it's it's great to see. And especially it's kind of funny because he mentions pandemic and epidemics in it. And it's kind of interesting to see that right now, reading it again. Um, yeah, it's, you know, talking about the power of context and conditions and circumstances are all epidemics are all subject to those. But also just the way that he writes. I love the storytelling, his mastery of weaving all these storylines together to, to paint a picture of how one person or one thing can really change the course of history or economics. So, yeah. yeah. That's a great book. And actually, it's funny. I have that in my reread queue and it's just huh. going to, it's going to be promoted now. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know, it's funny. He actually did a, um, uh, a masterclass on how to write. Oh yes. I did see that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'll have to go back and look at that. All mm -hmm. right. Okay. Next one. What's a tool that you can't live without? Definitely. I cannot live without my calendar, my iPhone calendar. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if I don't put an alert to go to bed, I probably would forget to do that too. <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally relate. Okay. What is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Um, I actually hired a coach at one point when I was first considering um, taking a coaching class and her name was Carolyn Green and she told me, well, because at the time I was not finding joy in my life very often. <laughs> and she <laughs> told me that I had to find a little bit of joy every single day. So now I've just stuck that into my head. And so I try to find a little bit of joy, just a tiny bit, even in the worst days. And it's helpful. Oh, I love it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. That is a great message. And I got to say, I think, Lisa, you've brought a lot of joy to us Aww, today. This, yes. has been, this has been <laughs> a lot of fun. I mean, a lot of times we have these really informative conversations and it's wonderful. And I think you've brought so much fun and energy to this. I am so excited for the people who will listen to this episode and recognize that the path that they want to be on is one that can work out for them. So thank you so much for being here and for sharing so many great ideas and so much wonderful insight with all of us. Aw, thanks. I'll just sit here and let you butter me up for a little longer. <laughs> as long as you know it's all true. That's the only rule here. Thank you. So thank you. Well, thank you. And thank you so much to my co-hosts as well. Oh, it's been fun. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Lisa. I know a lot of people will be looking forward to this episode, whether they're teachers or not. There's a lot to be learned about the transition. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And many thanks, of course, to our community for listening. And before you go, we have a message from our producer, Helena Hodges. Our chapter has so much to offer. Go to dcatd.org and choose our community. To learn more about our communities of practice, the CPTD study groups, and peer coaching opportunities. Follow the Metro DC chapter of ATD on LinkedIn today.